and welcome to another episode of G220 Radio. My name is Mike, and I am thankful to be here. This was not a planned show. I I originally had guests. Kate, or not Katie, Ricky was, um, has had some work done, medical work done, and he's still kind of recovering. So we weren't going to do a show, but my guest canceled. And in trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about, because I didn't have time to kind of continue our series in First John, I decided to look at an email that my friend received. I'll talk a little bit about this later. And to talk about it, to discuss what was written, and then maybe even go through a little bit of his letter and kind of to see what, how he would respond and and provide maybe some further explanation why I think it might be really good or, you know, if necessary to critique it, though that's not intentional or the goal. And so how did this all started? My friend Ed, who lives in Virginia, received a letter from a Jehovah Witness. And you may have received this letter too. And they, instead of being able to go door to door, which at least in my area is every Saturday, they were sending letters out, trying to engage people and to be able to present to them what they think is the gospel message. And so he took this letter and he wrote something up for this Jehovah Witness and with the little care package and sent them on the way. And a few months later now, he has received a letter from another Jehovah Witness because the initial one who made contact was a female. And to make sure they're talking appropriately, they were bringing um, a male. I've had something similar, um, even in my own interaction, where they would, um, there was a switch in people because of who I was. Um, and so that was kind of what happened in my friend's Ed's con- um, situation. And so he wrote, he got this letter. Uh, my friend Ed writes a lot. Um, we won't cover his initial letter, but it was some really good just gospel conversation and kind of really honing on and using Jehovah in it. And this will kind of come up in the letter and just kind of really emphasizing this idea of Jehovah and can we dwell and how do we dwell with Jehovah? And so he wrote this letter, I mean, uh, presenting the gospel to this la- to this lady. He took the opportunity, he saw this opportunity, he's like, hey, here's a false believer coming to me, writing me a letter, and he took the opportunity to go and spread the gospel with them, to share it, to share it, which let us kind of consider what this meant. If you know anything about Jehovah Witnesses, they are not allowed to take literature. They do 
they won't take gospel tracks. They won't, you know, if you give them something to read later on, they just don't take it. That's just a kind of a policy Jehovah Witnesses have as a whole. And so what kind of the opportunity here is now you send them a letter for them to read. I mean, they would normally probably take a letter from you. And here, here they are taking a letter. And so to think about just the opportunity this presented itself to be able to preach the gospel in, in kind of a written form, kind of an ancient way in one, in one sense, using and going to being able to present it. So I'll redact the names um, from the letter. I mean, I guess I gave my friend's name. Which I told him I was doing this um, in a ways. So, dear Ed, my name is Jehovah Witness number two. Um, you have responded to a letter to my friend, Jehovah Witness number one. Creative names, I know. Uh, one of the Jehovah's Witnesses had written to your address. She, like all Jehovah Witnesses, are reaching out to our community in this manner. But this being said, we typically feel more comfortable in these situations to let men respond to men and women write back to women. And so we kind of see here right away, again, what I mentioned earlier. They're very cautious on who speaks to who. And I think this is just important in general. When we consider witnessing are they a little bit maybe more legalistic? Possibly. Um, but I think there's some wisdom here from them. Let's let's kind of gleam a little bit. That there is some a different level of communication that can happen. Like even on the streets, you have to be careful and talking to and and even images that especially Ricky who gets, you know, distracts and whatnot with him. You know, these are important things to think about. So here we see Jehovah Witnesses now coming and saying Jehovah Witness number two, um, who's a male, I'm coming now to talk to have this conversation. And so he starts off, he goes, First of all, I want to commend you for not only taking the time to respond to debt to sorry, Jehovah Witness number one but also for the extensive scriptural thought you shared. Question mark. I don't know why there's a question mark there, honestly. But also for... I don't know. And if you're all familiar with Jehovah's Witnesses, we've had a high regard with the name Jehovah, especially since that's been removed from most Bibles. So he goes, with that being said, I'm very curious, Ed as to why you feel so comfortable with using the name Jehovah. My conversation with hundreds of people here in Lynchburg has been extremely rare to run across ones that accept that as the name of God, 
thus the reason for my question. I think it's a good question. Should we be afraid to use Jehovah in our everyday, you know, speaking about the God of the Bible? And this kind of a question really is one with, well, why would you want to use Jehovah? I think my friend here is trying to kind of prove a point by using Jehovah in place of Yahweh to kind of prove this point that Jesus Christ is God. He is Jehovah or Yahweh. And I think it's an important understanding. And when we consider now the words etymology, how it comes about, I think this helps us to kind of reflect clearly on what is going on. So we'll start with the easy one, Yahweh. Now, we have to understand kind of when we go back to the Hebrew text is that at one point, the Hebrew text had no vowels. The Hebrew Hebrew is a consonant only kind of language. They all write in consonants. So when you learn the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph, Bet, you learn consonants. Later came vowel signals and it's a series of dots and dashes which indicate the different vowel sounds the e-i-o-u sounds that we know in english and each kind of these different combinations bring about the whether it's a long a or short a a long e short e and you get my understanding well one thing we do know is that the Jewish people did not like to say the Tetragrammaton. And the Tetragrammaton is the four letters, which kind of the four consonants that make up Yahweh. Even so much in that we don't actually know what they the actual word is. The the vows that we put with it come from not Yahweh, but Adonai. And that's what the Jewish people would say when they would come across Yahweh. So let's like think of a verse, uh, Deuteronomy 4, 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Let me make sure I get this on the the right place. And so when we look at this, they would say, like if we were acting as a Jew, kind of speaking in English, we, we would say, kind of in this way, here are Israel, the Adonai, are God. The Adonai, the Adonai is one. So there, the Lord here is the Tetragrammatron, the word Yahweh. And we know this in the text because Adonai also means Lord. 
But we know this in Texas because in most English Bibles today, it is a capitalized Lord. It's a big capitalized letter L with lower capitalized O-R-D. That's Yahweh in English, the English translation. So they try to help us by capitalizing all the letters so we know, oh, this is Yahweh. This is Yahweh. And so we have this idea here that Yahweh, which we don't know the vowels, we get the Jewish people would say Adonai, so that's where the vowels come from. So it's a question, what was really the word? We don't know. I mean, in, in a simple form, we don't know how the word was pronounced or anything, because they would say Adonai. So this now becomes important for when we come to English. This is why you'll hear a lot of people say Yahweh. Yahweh is kind of the English transliteration of the Hebrew. And so that's why probably most people will say Yahweh. That is the most direct way in which it can be transliterated to us. It'd be like taking, I mean, like Veritas into truth. Or um, we'll, we'll do it different. We'll do Aletheia into truth. So Aletheia is Greek for truth. I'll play this out in a little bit later. So that's the direct way. Now, so where does Jehovah come? And this is the interesting part. Jehovah is a translation of a translation. And it gets to English not directly. Now, there's part of us in which a lot of times the early church or like even the, the Reformation time period and you have the race to get the Greek New Testament is they're using Latin and Greek texts for the Old Testament. And kind of when you start translating things, things get mixed up. And this is really we see in kind of German, which is where Yahweh comes from. Um, German doesn't have a Y sound. They don't have a Yah. And so their kind of closest thing is Ja. We could say the same thing with Jesus. Because Greek doesn't have a J sound. So we're getting this J sound from someplace else. And it's coming from kind of German dialects. And it's from this idea that kind of a translation from Hebrew, because Yeshua would have been Jesus's Hebrew name, Joshua, in our context. And so you have this kind of move through. So when you have older English translations, they translate, translate it as Jehovah from the translations they have. 
because there is no Y kind of letter or sound in these translations. And so when we consider his argument and think about here, you know, my friends, Ed's use of Jehovah and the name, if we talked about how they stress this name in, in the series, a series I did on Jehovah Witnesses going through um, Good News from God, which is their a pamphlet they gave me. You can get on their site if you wanted to read it. Um, I've linked in the description below where you can get to those all of those YouTube videos. And they're also on our YouTube on our Facebook page too. And I worked through this. And again, they, they stress this word Yahweh. And part of it makes sense. Or Jehovah. They stress Jehovah. But it makes sense. Because in the Bible, important events in the Bible uses God's covenant name, which is Yahweh. And let's just start very early. In Genesis 1, what's being said? Well, it's Elohim who's creating. It's, you know, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and was void. But then when we first see Yahweh, it's when he's interacting with Adam in the garden and he's making a covenant saying, do not eat of the tree of the, do not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And now we start seeing Yahweh come in. And what we see when we really pay attention to the word is that major, not major developments, but developments of the gospel story and kind of and these kind of bigger movements always involve God using his covenant name. And we can see that it's not using Elohim. It's using Yahweh. So there is kind of this importance of this word, which they understand as Jehovah. And, and so when we think about his, you know, coming back to what he is saying, I think, I mean, we can use Jehovah. I don't think it's invalid to say that. We just have to understand it's maybe not the most direct and connected to the original text. And if we want to be purists, it would be Yahweh as best as we know, understanding that we can't know. Only God knows how to pronounce his holy covenant name because the Jews wouldn't say it. And so, but I think for my friend Ed, I think it's a good play. Because now you can start piecing things together in the New Testament saying, hey, look, Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus is God. And so... I mean, yeah, it's just a, a good thing to think about. And when interacting with Jehovah Witnesses, I don't think it would be wrong to use Jehovah. I tended to use Yahweh when I would talk to them. 
Um, maybe because I'm a Pierce that way, but I don't. I don't think it's wrong to use Jehovah. I think it's perfectly fine. So, and then he continued on. The other question I want to ask you is what appears to be the overall message of your letter. Near the end of the letter to Jehovah Witness number one, you mentioned, I must warn you, Jehovah Witness number one, that if you do not repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, then you will be judged and condemned in the second death. He continues on, that being said, since you don't know Jehovah Witness number one personally, it appears that perhaps you feel her beliefs do not include Christ in her life, question mark, question mark, question mark. I'm just saying what he put in there. Uh, will you be glad to know that she, like all Jehovah Witnesses, recognized the life-saving role in exercising faith in Christ Jesus, Romans 3.22, and that it is a free gift, Three again, Romans 3.24. Now, I want to stop here. We addressed this again in that series. But he is saying here, he's using language that we would say, well, yeah. Um, you know, exercising faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, there's a thing here. But he's careful in his wording. And this is where we have to be careful with... Um, cults in general and hear what we'll see with Jehovah Witnesses. He goes, you will be glad to know that she, like all Jehovah Witnesses, recognizing the life-saving role and exercising faith in Jesus Christ and that is a gift of God. So, what is he saying? He is not saying anything scriptural. I'll tell you that. It, it sounds scriptural. But it's not. From the good news from God... They make a claim. Let me see if I can find it here. Um, clip um, pretty quick. That faith is not, or faith is a work. Faith is a work. And this is important for us to consider that they see, I mean, they really equate faith and works. I can't find the, the quote. Um, This is important to remember. So when he's talking about 
recognizing this life-saving role of exercising faith in Jesus Christ, what he's really saying is you need that. So they equate faith with good works. And so it's exercising good works. And there isn't this, they try to talk about kind of grace, but for them, true faith is obedience to the commands of Christ. Which then says it's not really a free gift, but they have Pelagian notions also in which they say that, or they deny original sin. They deny that men are corrupt from their birth. They wouldn't agree with when David said in Psalm 51 that out of iniquity my mother bore me. This, this idea is foreign to Jehovah's Witnesses. And at least from the article I've read, they've kind of de they deny original sin. And I mean, this is really the heart in which why my friend Ed is mentioning to them, because they hold to a false gospel. They have turned faith into a work in order to gain salvation. That's the life-saving role. So he continued on and he goes, all of this leads to my other question at Ephesians 4 or 5. It mentions one faith or one acceptable way of worshiping God. Since there are so many faiths that believe in Jesus Christ today as compared to the one that Jesus set up, he's setting up this question, Ed, do you believe it is necessary to find the one faith in a particular denomination that believes in Jesus so as not to end up in the quote-unquote second death? Now, he does that because, I mean, Jehovah Witnesses believe in annihilationism. There is no second death. You are just scuffed. You're gone. There is no hell. There is no eternal conscious punishment for rebelling against God's commands and living a life apart from God, there's there's none of that in Jehovah Witness theology. So this quote-unquote second death that this Jehovah Witness is talking about is really kind of, you know, setting up the fact that they don't believe it. They, don't, they wouldn't say second death. They would just be annihilated. I mean, that's probably what they would call second death. So the question, do you believe it is necessary to find that one faith in a particular denomination that believes in Jesus so not to end up in the second death? And the question is, and the answer is, well, yes, there's one faith. There's one faith. Jehovah Witnesses aren't that faith. Because there is one faith that God has 
ordained and sovereignly controlled. There is, in one sense, not a time when the gospel was not known. It may have been neglected, reduced down. But you have people pulling away from the Catholic Church very early on. Years before Martin Luther and others. There's one group that hid in the mountain of the Alps where the they can kind of be there and they believed the gospel. So there is one faith. The Nicene Creed says it this way, and we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. There is one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And if you remember our episode on the Nicene Creed, when we understand Catholic, Catholic is not just the Roman Catholic Church, not a capital C, it's a lowercase c, and in this case it means something that is universal, as in it covers all of earth, but also spans all across time. So the early church believed in one faith. It's one faith was while on the brink of extinction was revived again in 1517 with the nailing of the 95 theses to the, the church door in Wittenberg. It would have been recovered further in Geneva and in Switzerland and England. And it would continue to grow with it. God sovereignly controls controlled this. God's not going to allow the gospel message to be extinguished. And what Jehovah Witnesses believe is that up when you leave the apostles up into the time that Jehovah Witnesses start, the Watchtower Society starts, there is nothing. No one's being saved. No one has the gospel. And this is false. Blame just false. And we see this, I mean, just in church history, that there is one message that the second person of the Trinity came down from heaven to become the sacrificed for the first person of Trinity, the Father, who's ordained this from the beginning of time to save sinners, to bring them to himself, and that sinners are saved by the application of God's grace into their life by the Spirit. This is what the church has believed. And so when Jehovah Witnesses come up and they talk about this idea of one faith in many and one particular denomination, there's one sense in which there's one faith, but that we all believe in, but it's other things that divide us. I can say, sitting here, that 
I think Presbyterians are saved. I don't agree with how they baptize. I don't agree with their church polity, but they believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I can say that with any denomination that believes the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether they are independent fundamental Baptists or Methodists. As long as they believe the gospel, and it's just not just the gospel, they also affirm the councils. They believe in the Trinity. They believed that the the Son has two natures, a divine and a human nature that is not mixed. They're separate. That the Spirit is what leads us to truth. It's not just a personal force, but a being who dwells inside Christians so that they will continue to discover truth and to live a life honoring to God because he has saved them by grace through faith and not of works. So is there this one faith? Yes, there is one faith. We will understand what we got wrong in heaven. There are many denominations, but they still believe in one faith. And when we can even consider this in church history, there is a controversy in Baptist history about who should be able to take the Lord's Supper. And I mean, I don't know how people, how many people know John Bunyan. He wrote a book called Pilgrim's Progress. I mean, I don't know if you guys have heard this book or not. He thought that, well, I mean, they believe the same thing. They believe the gospel. They should be able to eat. Baptists like William Kiffin said, well, they're not baptized properly, so they shouldn't get the Lord's Supper. And we won't go into that debate. But Kiffin didn't say they're not Christians. He understood that the Pado baptists believed. He thought some of their ecclesiology was wrong, how they understood the church was wrong. And that played out in his own theology and his own ecclesiology. But there's still one faith. There's still one faith. And really what what he's trying to do here is he's trying to say, look, we're the faith. But you know who also says that? The Church of Latter of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They say the same thing. The Muslims say the same thing. So, yeah, there is one faith. And the church, church history bears this out. Unfortunately, they're not. He continues on, he, uh, Jehovah Witness number two, and he says... And beyond that Ephesians mentions, and I also base my question on Jesus' own words on at John 4.23 and 24, where he speaks of true worshipers will worship with truth and must worship with truth. I hope these questions make sense to you. 
And it's kind of a weird uh, how he phrases that. It just kind of is a I don't know. I mean, John four twenty four. This is um, New King James. Um, right there. Those who worship must worship in 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 grace and in spirit and in truth. Um, he's skipping things out. I think this idea of spirit and truth is kind of important, but. We kind of see that. Now, how would I present this to him? Because obviously I have taken quite a bit of time and kind of working through this. And it may not be as equitable. So if I was responding this and had wrote the letter that my friend wrote, I would kind of say, okay, Dear Mr. Jehovah Witness number two, um, I'm comfortable in using Jehovah because I know that it's a translation of a translation of the word Yahweh in Hebrew. And that while Yahweh is the most direct way in which we can talk about who you call Jehovah, and use that translation that they're the same one and I have no problem using both because I know they're the same as regards to kind of this idea of that you guys recognize the saving role and exercising faith in Jesus Christ and that's a free gift your own materials explain that you don't that you equate faith with obedience by doing what he commands but when we consider Ephesians chapter 2 we were dead in our transgressions and sins and we followed the passions of our hearts and we were these people who did evil things but it was God out of his good but God, out of his loving mercy, who raised us up and seated us with Christ. And so that we're saved by faith through grace, which then leads to good works. And that, as Paul says, that I have this faith that is seen outside of righteousness, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so, knowing Jehovah Witnesses' teaching, this is contrary to what you believe. And furthermore, when you mention this idea of one faith, I fall in line with the one faith to deliver once for all to all the saints. Those who have for over 2,000 years thought about and transmitted the gospel message. And it's you that have stepped outside of the one faith 
that has been once delivered to the saints. Kept by the power of the spirits. Awaiting to the end in which we get to dwell with God. Sincerely, Mike. I think kind of short. I like short, pithy. And so there is this idea to um, to think about with it. So here's what my my friend Ed, some stuff he wrote and kind of responding to this and is asked for some 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 feedback on it. So he goes, um, Mr. Jehovah Witness number two. I greatly appreciate you reaching out to me, and I pray that you're that you and your family are doing well. And I'm glad that um, Jehovah Witness number one reached out to me as well. I certainly agree with your statement concerning truth. In fact, I think that we would we would agree that where you spend eternity is based on the truth set forth in Scripture alone. I had a great love for you and Jehovah Witness number one as persons created in God's image, and I'm certainly concerned of yours and Jehovah's Witness number one's soul. Choose the most important thing that we must concern ourselves with. I do have concerns that Jesus Christ, that you and Jehovah Witness number one believe, is not the Jesus Christ of Scripture. Why is this important to me? Because Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21-23, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father is the one in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we have prophesied in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. On, that, on the day of your death... You and Jehovah Witness in the world will stand before Jesus and give an account, and he will cry out, and you will cry out, Lord, Lord, but he will say, depart from me. I think so. Why do I believe that you and Davi, you and, sorry, Jehovah Witness number one on Great Pearl? Here he quotes from Jehovah Witness, the last line of a question called, do Jehovah Witnesses believe in Jesus, and they say, so we do not worship Jesus as we do not believe that he is almighty God. So what does my friend do? Well, you have John 14, 28. It talks about his greatness. Quotes uh, quotes out Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Have this mind among you, which is of you. Exalted, Christ is exalted and bestowed a name on him above all names. Hebrews 2, 9. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus crowned with all with glory and honor because of his suffering death so that, that God may taste death. Hebrews 2, 9. He attacks here their belief on is Jesus created being and not fully God? He talks about that. We're looking at it. I think 
we see here, and probably as I wrap up the show, we have to deal with their truth claims. In the series I did, I tried to, the best I could, affirm what was right and critique what was wrong. And then not only just critique it, but give an answer, a positive response on what we should believe. We I did four just on who is Jesus on good news from God. Four episodes just diving into the nitty gritty. Because really, this is the point. Doctrine of God, doctrine of Christ, and the doctrine of salvation are important doctrines for us to know, for us to study. Who is God? What is he like? Who is Christ? What is he like? Who is the spirit? What is he like? Who are we as humans? And why does God need to save us from our sins? When we consider the importance of theology, which is really what this is, this letter back and forth is dealing with theology. We've talked about it multiple times on the show, even here in this series on First John we've been doing. Theology matters because everyone has a theology. Everyone has a view on God. And really, there's only two overarching views. Either you believe the God of the Bible or you don't. You believe God has given us his word to describe who he is and how he created the world and how we are to live in his world or you don't. This is the contrast between Orthodox Christianity and the cults and atheism and agnosticism and all other world religions. They may have elements of truths in it because they have to. They live in God's world. I mean, I guess they could reject all this truth. But there are things that even inside of us, like a conscience, that we see truths come out even in different theologies. When we interact with Jehovah Witnesses, I mean, we have to, we can't just kind of let go with the idea of Trinity because the gospel message needs it. If Jesus is not God, he cannot save us from our sins. It's plain or simple. But Jesus isn't the father. Because if he's the father, then the father is suffering. Well, that just isn't right. That's heretical. 
if we go with what Jehovah Witnesses believe and that Jesus is an incarnate um, Michael the Archangel, well, he's an angel, not human. He can't forgive us of our sins. And if he's human, if he sinned once, he can't be our sacrifice. God demands perfect obedience, both active obedience in what he does and also in passive obedience. And we need to share this with our Jehovah Witnesses friends, with our Mormons friends. Because they deny the one faith. They do. So that is my friend's letter. And I hope you enjoyed the show as we think about kind of how would we respond. And I just want to say, have you responded to Jehovah, the Jehovah Witnesses letter? I think we accidentally threw ours out. We thought about doing it. I'm glad my friend Ed did. I think, I mean, the gospel, God is bringing people to you to hear the gospel. I mean, you got to take the opportunity for it. We didn't. We should have. Um, we did do, uh, you know, when they came here, interacted with them. They sent us a letter, so maybe we didn't get blacklisted, which is a good thing. So we need to be praying and ready for these types of opportunities. So if you want to learn more about what Jehovah Witnesses believe, like I said, I've mentioned a couple times, we have a series. It is linked in the description below or wherever it is on the platform you're watching it. It is to the YouTube playlist. You can uh, play through it all and to listen. And hopefully that will be um, beneficial to think through these episodes. I think it was like 21 full, 21 episodes um, in total, probably roughly. I mean, it's going to take you, it might take you some time. Some of those episodes got quite long, um, longer than I wanted. So, you know, go there. If you have any questions, you can email us. You've been seeing down the ticker below. You can contact us at g20radio at gmail.com. You can also send us messages on Facebook at, we're at Facebook, G220, just search G220 Radio um, with that. And I don't think we announced it last week, so I'm going to do it this week. If you want to support us, we have kind of developed some ways for you to support us. Ricky has been working on shirt designs, so you'll see in a link down below uh, opportunity to go um, buy shirts. Um, the money we get from that goes into not only G220 Radio to help with just costs. We pay for different platforms and we've largely been paying a lot of this out of pocket and Ricky's been doing most of that. The idea here is that to kind of help us to not, we're not in it to get rich. We're just going to put that out there. We just are looking for some support to help us on some of the costs 
that we have in running not only the radio show and some of the equipment that we use, but also to help support Ricky and Nathaniel and others on G220 Ministries to help out with outreaches, whether for tracks or um, gas money to go to the Derby or whatnot. Uh, so we have that opportunity down below. But also, if you don't want a shirt, um, we have a site called Buy Me a Coffee. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash G220 Ministries. Again, the money there is the same. It will be help further G220's ministries, G220 radios, um, reach where I mean, we work, both of us work full time. And while we love doing this, there are costs that are associated. So if you feel led, we do. We don't ask often, but there are some ways to support us if you're thinking about that in that way. That was really a longer spiel than I wanted to talk about supporting us. But there are now some ways that you can do it um, and even supporting some cool G220 ministry swag as the kids say it nowadays. Probably not. It's probably really dated. Anyways, this was episode 480 of G220 Radio, a letter from a Jehovah Witness or JW. Thank you for watching and join us next week here on G220 Radio. Everyone have a good night.